0: So our scripture reading today is Psalm 29, starting at verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Would you pray with me? God of light and life, we ask that you open our eyes as well as our ears, so that we may not only hear your word preached today, but we may then see your word lived out in our lives and in your world through Christ our Lord, the light of the world. Amen. I'm not sure if you picked it up, but in this psalm, it's a little bit of a loud one. It's a loud psalm that's highlighting the voice of the Lord. I'm not sure if you picked up the... the, the voice of the Lord was active. The voice of the Lord was heard. The voice of the Lord was present. The voice of the Lord. The mighty voice of the Lord. And this, this psalm has three parts. The first is an is a invitation to ascribe glory to God. Ascribe and describe who he is and what he's about. And then the middle is to describing all that, that his voice has done. And he's done through just his decree. And then in the end is a declaration of what that effects. And it's interesting, this psalm has been tied in through the lectionary and on the, the same day that um, we commemorate and think about Jesus as being baptized. So we are looking at the voice, the loud and mighty voice of the Lord. It starts out with, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And some of us are prepared for this. Some of us have a faith relationship where we are all ready to go, yes, let's praise the Lord. Let's recognize His greatness. Let's recognize the beauty. Let's recognize the presence and the power. Some of us are, are absolutely in tune with the idea that the Lord is worthy of all praise and honor. So we're, we're, we're conditioned and already primed to, to give unquestioned honor and glory to. to the the Lord. Why? Because he is God and we are not. However, I know that not all of us in this room are in that same space. We're not all in that place where we are ready to ascribe to the Lord glory and honor. We're not all ready to join the throngs cheering, you are mighty, you are wonderful, you are present and powerful. Some of us are looking around and maybe asking, where? Where is the glory? Where is the Lord? Maybe you thought at one time you were in that place, that space or place. Maybe at one time you did feel the presence of the Lord and you were ready to join the, the mighty uh, choirs of, of the heavenly realms. But maybe now that's kind of faded away or slipped away. Or, or maybe you thought God was going to be present with you and then he felt strangely absent. Or someone that you thought God would never let slip through your hands is, is gone. Perhaps this talk seems more like an ancient mythology of an all-powerful deity who doesn't seem to operate as we read in the sacred ancient texts. No matter where you are on that continuum of ready to join the angelic hosts or still kind of sitting back and watching, watching with a close eye, are you there, God? Let us look at this text today, this text that boasts of God's greatness and his mighty powers and his mighty deeds. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And, and I wish I'd had um, enough time and presence to hire some trumpeters to come and like, work with me on this psalm so that we could have the fanfare. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, and you can hear it right now, the trumpets coming in, because this is an anthem. This is a a cacophony of noise. This is where the people are coming in. The crowds are lifting up the name of the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory. Do his name. Worship the Lord in his splendor of his holiness. But who who is the psalmist asking to ascribe? Who is the one being asked to credit the Lord with glory, with strength, and with splendor? Is it, is, is it Israel? Is it the angels? Is it the church? Is it possibly other gods? If you think, look at verse 1 there, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. It's, a lot of scholars think that this is a, a charge, this is a challenge to the other Canaanite deities. Some even think that this is a, a song that was, so, used to be sung to, to Baal or Baal, whichever way you want to pronounce that. Canaanite God, that the the Israelites took and renamed and reclaimed. Because God alone, Yahweh, Adonai, the Lord of hosts, is the one who's God over all gods. So who is the one? Who are the heavenly beings, the sons of God? Now I'm going to introduce you to a little idea here. Some of you might think, what do you mean other gods? There are no other gods. I agree. I get it, but let us put ourselves back in the time when this was written and to the people to whom it was written to. They were living in a world where they had, like each tribe, each nation had their own sense of their own deity, their own God. And, and Yahweh, Adonai, uh, was Elohim, was the God of Israel. And sometimes there, you, we even know that there were some showdowns on occasion between the, the gods of the Canaanite people and the, and the gods of Israel. Remember when Elijah had a showdown with the prophets, just himself against the 400. And they called and tried to get their God, to, all to, to light the fire. And then he drowned it with water. And so It's a great story, but that's not the sermon today. And there's other times when, you know, just the fact that this psalm was written, Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly hosts. Ascribe to the Lord, you sons of the gods. Ascribe to the Lord the worth he's due. It's kind of the playground version of my God's bigger than your God. My God can beat up your God. My God is the true God because he is mighty. He is the one who has power over all of these things. He's the one whose voice makes things happen. No matter who is being asked to ascribe, one thing is clear in this psalm. It is the Lord and the Lord alone Who is in charge? It is the Lord and the Lord alone who is powerful. It is the Lord and the Lord alone whose voice shakes the world and forms it and breaks it and remolds it. It is the Lord who's worthy of praise and honor and glory. The word Yahweh, which I I try not to use often just out of respect to tradition, but Yahweh Adonai um, is used 18 times in just 11 verses. And the focus on the voice of God, Yahweh's dramatic voice, Adonai's dramatic voice, with descriptions of how it impacts creation. It's over the waters. The glory of God thunders. It's powerful. It's majestic. It breaks the cedars of Lebanon. And now we have the luxury of just sitting and scrolling through little videos, and for those who don't do that, your life is better, but if you do, you'll see gusts of wind quick little tornadoes that come up and just the raw power of snapping a tree and you realize what power our God must have who controls the weather and can snap the trees, snap the cedars of Lebanon. It strikes like lightning, it shakes the deserts, it twists the oaks, it strips the forests, and it results in what? That all cry out glory. Glory to God. Because he is the one who acts Like I said before, the lectionary readings this Sunday coupled the psalm, this psalm of great praise, this loud voice to God, it couples it with speaking where God's voice speaks earth into creation. The Old Testament text is in Genesis 1, speaking about how God spoke and there was light day and night and it was good. How God spoke and there was creation, They spoke and there was water and land. And there was life teeming in it. God's voice speaks and it moves and makes mountains. It also coupled the, uh, with the baptism story, where Jesus in Mark and also in Luke, he goes to his cousin, the great cousin who was making a path in the wilderness, who was proclaiming that the one who's greater is coming, and he goes out to him and he says, "I'll be baptized." Now we know Jesus wasn't baptized for the forgiveness of his sins because he had none but he was baptized and what happened at his baptism? The heavens opened up and a voice said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The voice authenticated who Jesus was at the very beginning. This is my son you are my son, the beloved with you I am pleased and the dove came down upon him You see, the emphasis on the power of the voice of God in Psalm 29 stands as a powerful foundation for the gospel's account of Jesus' baptism. The voice of God shakes the heavens and shakes the earth. It brings both destruction and it brings creation. It provides strength, it provides peace, and it guides those who heed it. The gods whose voice flashes forth flames of fire in Psalm 29, 7, breaks open the heavens to announce the identity of a man in Galilee. One who's emerged from the baptismal waters. The same voice that spoke heavens and earth into creation, that spoke light to create day and night, that spoke into creation, the the, the mountains and the valleys and the waters and the teeming life within the waters and the animals that rove and and roll across the, the countryside and the birds that fly, that same God that spoke life into existence is the same God who spoke to a boy, to a young man and said, this is my son. Psalm 29 imbues the heavenly words with authority and reminds us, of the promise of shalom, of, of peace that God will bring. Brigamin and Bellinger said, this psalm invites Yahweh to channel the great power imagined towards granting shalom, granting peace to the faith community. The hope that is Yahweh, the hope that Yahweh will bring is in the same order of both life to creation. This hope that we have in Christ is the hope that is on par with the creation of, of all the earth and the universe. It's of a new creation. It's of a new earth. It's of a new hope. It's of a new life, a new humanity. One where wrongs are made right. One where peace has been established, not through compromises and, and uh, backdoor deals, but through justice and mercy. This is the hope that we find in the Christ child. This is what makes Christmas so radical. This is where if we want to have any echo to try to keep Christ in Christmas, it's that we keep the full gospel picture of Christ. The one who comes to overthrow the system and to bring about something new. The one who goes to smash the power structures of this world, but brings up a world of peace and sacrifice and love. This is the hope that we find in the Christ child, a hope that we have, that we find in God's dwelling in and among us again. Whether or not we are ready to see, whether we are in the place where we are ready to join the the ancient choir ascribing to God his great deeds and attributes, whether or not we're ready for this, we can see that it's God's voice who creates and sustains. We can see that all the glory of this psalm, all that is focused, all that this mighty power is condensed and narrowed into one person, into the little baby, to the little person, the little humbly hidden joy, Jesus, because then Jesus is the one who's Lord over waters. Jesus is the one who calms them and walks on them. Jesus is the one who's Lord over the seas and Lord over the storms. He's the one who wakes up from a nap when all the trained and seasoned fishermen are freaking out. I don't know if you've ever been on boats when there's a storm, and I don't mean boats like a cruise liner where you are just on a, like something that teeters and totters, but if you've ever been in a boat during a storm, I'll just tell you I have. I'm not a boatman. I'm, I'm a freshwater lake kayaker. I don't want any rocks or rapids involved. I don't want any waves. I used to surf, that's cool. Not a boat, I'm not down with that. I've been in the boats when I see the little water spout out in the water and everybody's thinking that's cool. A water spout is just a water tornado and I did not find that cool. My friends were not freaking out, I was. I've been in the boat when the friends who are the, the professional um, Kayakers and guides down the river are trying to flip us in the middle of the rapid because they think it's fun. I did not. I was panicking. I was pinning them to the sides and keeping them from flipping us over and luckily I was bigger. So I stayed in the boat. But here's the professionals and they're freaking out and Jesus is the one who wakes up from the nap, right? You remember and he says be still. The waves and the waters and the storms and the lightning obey him. With a word from his mouth, demons are silenced. Disease flees. Limbs are restored. Health has been found. The dead wake up. Let us ascribe the glory of the Lord. Let us sing praises to his mighty works. Let us cry out to his glory. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved. He can raise and call the dead to life. It's through Jesus that the mountains will be made low and the valleys raised up. It's through Jesus that the paths will be made to gather all back to the Lord. When he is finished, when he has completed his task and his work, the lion will lie down with the lamb The weapons of war will be broken and reformed into farm equipment so that we may grow and eat and dine together and enjoy the simple life of living together with great plenty. At the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow that he is Lord. Lord over all. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. And then he had the audacity to actually conceal himself and come down and dwell among us. He was willing to condescend his great and mighty perch upon the throne of all creation and walk in this place, this dirty, infested, broken, violent tear-filled place. He came to restore it. He came to make it new. He came to make a new humanity out of the old, both near and far. He came to complete the work that the law could not complete. He came to set a new life. And although we may not see it, and I'll be honest, there's days where I don't see him. There's days where I expect God to work like I was told he would work when I was in youth group. There's times where I would expect God to be involved in every little intimate detail of my life, and yet sometimes I pray, and it seems like those prayers go unanswered. There's times when I pray, and it seems like there's still even worse pains in the world. And I don't know if it's just that the world is filled with more violence now, or that we just have more access to reporting. I don't know if it's one thing to hear of wars, another thing to see clips from it. Maybe that's changed it. But friends, I can see how we can lose sight of the glory of God. I can understand how we can lose sight and wonder, where were you, God? Why didn't you show up? But I also encourage us, let's look to the Christ child. And to see that all that glory spoken of in Psalm 29 has been condensed down into the person, the singular person. Because as one person put it, I know that there's a lot of reasons to doubt it. But if he can die and rise again, all else is possible. If Jesus can die and rise again, everything else is possible. And just because we don't understand what's happening in the times and we don't understand what's happening around us and the news that we watch is guaranteed to try to strike fear and anger in us, turn it off and look back to Jesus and recognize that the power and mighty thunderous, thunderous voice of the Lord said, this is my son in whom I'm pleased. And that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And then at that day, all will cry out, glory, glory, glory is the most high king. Glory to King Jesus. For the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. And the Lord blesses his people with peace. If that peace does not come today, then we hold out full t- for tomorrow. If it does not come tomorrow, we hold out for Tuesday. And if not, Wednesday. And if we, ha- if we have to, we wait and we come back and we pray for it again next Sunday. And then Sunday after that. And if next uh, Epiphany Sunday, we're, we're still here waiting for Christ to come back and to make it right, we cry out again, holy, 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 glory, 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 because we know one day he will finish what he has begun because the power of the voice of God has spoken, and he is the one whom God has spoken through. And he is the name, the only name, to which we call, to which we cry out to, to which, whose hope we hold on to, because he's enthroned. All glory to King Jesus, amen? Lord, help us this day to not get distracted by our own limited vision. Help us to not get distracted by our own discouragements. And Lord, we do have many, and you know them. Lord, help us to catch a vision of your splendor, of your glory, of your power, of your majesty. Help us to catch, catch a vision so that we might join the mighty cry, glory, glory, glory. We pray in Christ's name, amen.